Welcome to The Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. It's really good to have you with us. What I'm going to share tonight hopefully is going to encourage you and um, help you grow and help us grow as a community. And so we're continuing a series called Firm Foundations. We've looked at a bunch of stuff that are kind of bedrock foundations for us in our life as a community. And today I'm going to look at the topic of holiness. And I don't know what you think when you hear the word holiness, whether it's like, oh, oh no, holiness. I'm here for the holiness talk. Like holiness is for the great saints, but the rest of us just aren't that holy. We're human, we make mistakes, we get angry, we sin, we mess up. And maybe there's an area of my life that I'm just not sure that God's that into. Maybe I feel guilt or shame in that area of my life. Maybe the whole idea of God is confusing. So maybe I'll just try and sit this one out and kind of get through the talk on holiness without blushing. Anyone feel like that? Or maybe you're like, oh, holiness, so what? Like, maybe you'd love to know a little bit more about holiness, but the fact is you've been around a while. You know that change is hard. Like, if you go to the gym, you'll know that change is hard. It's like, it doesn't come easy. And maybe you're like, wow, well, you know, I've been around church for a while. I'm pretty sorted. I got my life sorted in this area and that. You know, maybe there's like a little bit that God could change in me, but I'm completely resigned to the fact that I'm going to be as I am until the Lord returns. And maybe you're like, when you hear the word holiness and a talk on holiness, you're like, oh, yes, finally, we're going to talk about the stuff that I'm longing to hear about. You know, I long for more of Jesus. We've tasted and seen that he's good, that his love is transformative. We felt that fire of the Holy Spirit burn in us. And we want to live a life of obedience. The question is how? How can we live a life of love and holiness? And maybe you're here like that tonight and it's like a kind of iPhone out, notes app open, pen on the lid, lid on the pen off, leaning in. I really want to learn how I can be more like Jesus in my life. Now, here's the truth. On any given day, I am all three of those positions. I feel, oh, like, oh no, so what? Yes. So as we talk about this tonight, I want you to bring all three of those kind of latency, apathy, and engagement to this conversation. Is that all right? Wave with me, wave a little bit in the air if you can still hear me. Okay, thank you. Great. Now the good news is Jesus is, is here. His spirit is here. He is already more willing to speak than you and I are to listen. He's already more willing to forgive than we are to repent. He's already more passionate about your life than you are about your future. So what I'm going to speak on today is is close to the heart of God. And it's his nature to want us to become more like him. And so that's a little bit of context. But also what I'm speaking about today is against the backdrop of what we've been experiencing for the last few months here. I remember Glenda, who's leading worship tonight, back in, I guess, like March, when we began to experience this wave of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God just showing up in our worship. Glenda is standing up here on the stage and saying, I just feel like God is calling us back to a one Peter type of holiness, that we would be holy and set apart for God. And the more we spend time in God's presence, the more we strip away the hype and the noise and we come close with a hungry humility the more we realize that God is longing to meet us in this subject. I want to frame it 
not just with context, not just with a bit of background, but also with, with two great truths about who God is that I want to drop right in the beginning as we talk about this. Firstly, God is overwhelmingly loving. Overwhelmingly loving. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And secondly, God is overwhelmingly holy. He's other. He's beautiful. You know, right now, the angels in heaven, day and night, and night and day, are bowing down, living creatures roaring. If we could get a glimpse of what it would look like, our lives would be utterly and radically different because it's terrifyingly anti-apathy. It's like, oh my gosh, day and night, the whole of heaven, the future of the universe, the cosmos, is crying out, holy, holy, holy. The only response to who God is is to go, wow. And if we could get one, one 0.0001% of that downloaded into our operating system as human beings, our lives would look radically different. And here's what I sense God wants to do tonight for you and I. It's not scare us into legalism, but woo us into obedient holiness by his love. Holiness is a gift. It's not something you can earn. It's not something you could work. It is a gift of grace. And I've had so many conversations over the last few months with people who are desperate to get this right with God, experience his love and holiness in their lives. And let me be really clear, I'm not tonight going to talk about like religious condemnation. I'm not going to talk about like a toxic performance-based excessive purity legalism. Give me 10 points for how I should, you know, conduct myself in a nightclub. That is not what you're going to hear from me tonight. You are grown-up people. Neither am I talking about removing our agency as Christians. I'm not talking about some over-spiritualized reading of the world where godliness is somehow divorced from reality and you're left with a kind of bankrupt spirituality inside. Instead, what I want to talk to you about tonight and my prayer tonight is that the Holy Spirit will lead you into a deeper encounter with his love. Some, from that place of freedom and true religion, from that place of deep grace and love, you'd experience that holiness and that would lead you to inhabit the gift of holiness that God has for you in Jesus. Does that make sense? Okay, everyone with me? What I want us to do is turn to 1 Peter 1.13. I told, said about Glenda referencing this passage a while back, and this has stayed in my kind of like notes, at the top of my notes. It's something I keep going back to. 1 Peter 13, 1 Peter 1.13 to 16. It's going to come up on the screen. If you have a Bible with you, you are more than welcome to find it. 1 Peter 1, chapter 1, verse 13. Here we go. Therefore, Peter writes, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? Thank you that you come with freedom and life and hope for each one of us. Break into our timeline with your grace and help us live today, tomorrow, the next week, month, year, 
decade, lifetime with a deeper sense of your love and your holiness and your call on our lives. In Jesus' name, come Holy Spirit, we pray right now. Amen. So how do you build your life on the firm foundation of Jesus' holiness? First, first thing, win the battle of the mind. Win the battle of the mind. Verse 13, therefore with minds, it starts with the mind, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought for you, brought to you when Jesus is revealed at his coming. Just listen to what Peter's saying. He's saying, look, look, start with your mind and understand that you're to fix your thoughts and your thinking, your paradigm, your life, your experience of the world, not on what is right in front of you right now, but on the event horizon in the future of when Jesus returns. As Christians, you and I are called to live with like long horizons of hope that one day Jesus is going to come back full of grace. And consequently, in the meantime, we are to live in the light of that destination, not in the light of what's immediate in front of us. When you get that, it begins to change your direction. A bit like when you put like sat-nav on on your phone or you're in the car, you're trying to navigate. Where am I going? I'm going to focus. Great. It's like two hours in the car. Good plug. I'm in the car. I've got my kinetic group. We're going to focus. You type in the details. It sets that event horizon and every roundabout, every decision is made in response to the destination you're called to. So many of us live with a short-term view of our lives, and it means that we aren't making long-term decisions in the mind. It's so easy to be short-term. If I do this action, what will the consequences really be? And then we wonder why we're caught up in the roundabouts and cycles of sin and despair and loneliness, and we don't ever fulfill the potential that God has for us because we're trapped in fear, not grace. We have an event horizon of hope. And as Christians, we're called to live with that in our sat-nav. And let me give you one example. Pleasure. The vicar's going to talk about pleasure. Don't worry, I'm not going to, it's not a lecture on carousing. <laughs> pleasure is God's idea. Like, when did pleasure not become the, like, the thing that we love as Christians? Pleasure is God's plan, it's God's intention. And yet with so many things, like parenting, I have three kids, part of what you do when you parent is you teach that you can't necessarily have everything at once. You know, we'll regularly sit down, particularly at the moment, it's like hot outside, and my eight-year-old will say to me, can we start with the ice cream? I'm like, no, you can't. Okay, the other day he made his own ice creams. He got like smoothies, he had like a, a mold. He went and he sat there, he knew what he was doing. He's like, I've cooked something for dinner. He went and got the ice cream, he sat down. He's like, before we sat down for dinner, the pastor was on the boil. He was like, here is the ice cream. He's like, no, you have to wait. Ice cream is pudding. You, you just wait. Pleasure can be most immediate of our sensory experiences. And yet so much of growing to maturity as a human being is about learning to defer pleasure so that we don't become a slave to pressure, to instant gratification. Let me give you another example. Holidays. Like who needs a holiday right now? 
Just raise a hand. Testify in Jesus' name if you need a holiday right now. Mm, I need a holiday right, literally, even though it's 30 degrees outside, I could do with a holiday. I don't know, like Jamaica. Could we go to, ja- could we go to Jamaica? Again, can you represent Jamaican crew? Can you raise your hands right now? Okay, okay, only th- four, four of you. I think there are more. Uh, the morning congregation was pretty much like, I've never seen so many Jamaicans. There was a lot of people who were like, I'm, I'm just gonna be Jamaican today. <laughs> now, who would like to go to Jamaica? Just raise that. Okay, now we're talking, right? Like, now imagine if we all decided, hey, let's go and stay with Miles' family in Jamaica. Let's do it. <laughs> like, how quickly could we organize a flight to Jamaica, Miles? couple of days. Anyone got any plans next week that you can't get out of? Like, okay, apart from your passport, we hear you. <laughs> Maybe we'll just go without you, Miles, but, but like the, the, the offer is there. There'll be a link up there. I checked out the weather this morning. Trust me, it's good. Now imagine if we went to Jamaica right now. If, if I just went and I got like, I can't afford it, I haven't planned it, but hey, what the heck, let's go to Jamaica. And I went and got like a credit card and I, I like got it and I like put the flights on the credit card. I got the all-inclusive resort or I was like, let's just have an amazing week in Jamaica. Forget it, stuff it. And I'm lying on the beach having clocked up two grand of debt sitting there in Jamaica. I'm like, don't worry about a thing. Come on, everyone, you know it. Because every little thing is going to be all right. No, it's not going to be all right. I'm sitting here with a credit card in my pocket, burning a hole in my trousers because this is delayed gratification out the window. I've just gone with my desires. And I can't relax on the beach in Jamaica with or without miles because I haven't planned. What's a better way to do it? Well, to say, actually, let's go to Jamaica. (laughs) Let's plan. If you want to take a vacation, take a holiday, plan it. Like, put aside some money. Work out a budget. Don't burn it on your credit card. This is not a word for someone here tonight. Like, be responsible about that because you'll enjoy it much more if you've planned and prepared. And when you get there, it'll be worth it. In the same way, let God form holiness in your life through long obedience in the same direction. You don't have to have everything at once. Some of those pleasures, God's timing is really important in them. And the thing is, you can do this. The great myth is that you don't have choice. You don't have agency. You do. You have incredible agency. So keep your mind alert, be sober, set your hope on grace, on the horizon of hope in your life, and then let your mind be renewed. So first first step to building a foundation of holiness is win the battle of the mind. Second step, don't conform, be transformed. Don't conform, be transformed. Verse 14 says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. One of the things we realize when we spend time with Jesus is that he is incredibly powerful. His presence can melt mountains. His voice can spin galaxies. He is uncontainable. And yet, in order to relate to you and I, he clothes himself with humility. You know, because we die otherwise. Like, if we stood in front of the living God with our own brokenness, and our sinfulness, we would be like vaporized. 
But Jesus comes, he says, look, I know. And he clothes himself with humility and love. And he comes and he, he comes among us, not to condemn, judge, but to, to woo and welcome. And when you become a Christian, when you decide to make Jesus the center of your life, what happens is he, he comes and lives in you. And that same power, clothed in humility, now lives in you. I mean, you know, like Iron Man. Does anyone watch Marvel movies? Any Mar- is that a Marvel movie? No. How can you not watch? Does anybody ever watch an Iron Man movie? Like three of us. Wow. Just because I have kids. Maybe I spend my whole time watching Marvel movies. And the Iron Man has this like nuclear reactor in his heart. Okay, I'm going to stop this analogy right there. I'm not even going to go there. It's just going to die. I'm scrolling on. I'm not even going to bother. It's just, it's really good as well. It's fine. Anyhow, the Greek word for the power of God that lives in you is dunamis. It's the word we get dynamite from the word we get dynamic from. You have no idea of the power that lives in you. And one of the great tragedies is that so many Christians walk through their life never understanding that the Holy Spirit that lives in them is far more powerful than anything around them. And he can transform us from the inside out. We don't need the things, the crutches that the culture would throw our way to tell us we need to feel good. Let me tell you about my first Bible study. Uh, if you're not in a connect group, you want to get in a connect group. That's so much fun. But when I was 18 years old, I came to faith. I had a, like a whole bunch of friends who were nowhere near church. We started coming along to like a Bible study at church. And there was like six of these guys who were like in the connect group and they would hang out. And they were like, I turned up with like three or four of my mates. And we were like, I was like, I don't know what we're going to. It's like a Bible study. They're like, we don't read the Bible. I was like, fine, let's just go. We'll see what it's like. And it was a beautiful day like this. Sunshine outside, like 30 degrees, one of those magical summer afternoons in London. And my friends and I, we sit down in this garden outside someone's house and there's like everyone hanging out and it's like kind of the Christians were like we're going to read the Bible together we're like yeah whatever whatever floats your boat it's great and, and, and one of the guys says let's just pray should we so one of the leaders says let's pray and, and we close our eyes and I close my eyes but I notice my mate has started skinning up a joint and I think he thinks while they're praying he's going to skin up a joint and think it's going to be like five minutes and he can quietly get away with it and I'm like oh no this is going to be like this is a moment right it's a Bible study there's a guy like rolling an enormous joint there and, and, and the guy prays a really quick prayer and he ends with an amen and everyone opens his eyes and it's like, oh! And he's like, hey, do you guys mind if I smoke? And I'm like, sure. I'm like, sure. Everyone's welcome, right? Jesus loves us just as we are. Peace and love. And the guys are like, okay. And they start passing the joint around. It's like, no, thank you. No, thank you. The Bible study takes a turn. I'm telling you. It was going to be something like really kind of like, I don't know, something like straight bat out of like Mark's gospel. End up being like a Bible safari discussing whether drugs are okay or not okay. I have never been to a more electric, spicy Bible study than this. So the Christians are like, this is not a good idea. You know, it's not good for you. Well, and the, the guy's like, well, why not? It's like you're into peace. It's one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. When I smoke spliff, I feel peace. One all. And they're like, it's not allowed. It's illegal. It's legal in Amsterdam. Two all. And we go through like, you know, the earth is the Lord and everything in it. Not everything that's beneficial, is permissible, is beneficial. It's like Bible tennis, backwards and forwards. And the wrestle goes on till the guy's finished smoking the joint. He's like, let's move on. What are we here to talk? about. But I remember that night walking away thinking, 
Is that right? Does God need me to fill my life with substances when there's something more that he has for me in the Holy Spirit? And I remember going away from there and just beginning to register in my life that maybe some of the stuff that I was into, now that I had Jesus living in me, meant that I wasn't going to conform to that way of life, that I was being transformed from the inside out. And hey, listen, I'm not arguing for like you to become a, like a monk and leave, unless that's your calling, like leave your life behind, leave your friends behind. I still hang out with those friends. In fact, years later, many of them have become Christians. One of them even leads a church now. God has worked powerfully in their lives. But let me tell you this, like what you do with your life, what you fill your life with, you have to make sure it comes from God, not from the culture around you. The God of love wants you to live in obedience to him. The devil will try and convince us that we can never change and that there are no boundaries with God. But that's not true. He's a liar. God is a good father. Again, I have kids. If you told me that when they were very, very small, they were never going to change and they didn't need any boundaries, I would have thought you were completely mad. No one who loves someone doesn't have like boundaries and encouragement and want them to grow and want them to develop a life that's based on love, not on selfishness, not on being turned inwards. And again, one of the most powerful things you can do is a word, or in fact, two words that you will use hundreds of times a day. One of the most effective tools, if you want to know how not to conform but be transformed, is a word that you will use over and over again every day, hundreds of times. Jesus says this in Matthew 5, 37. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. There is incredible power in your yes and there is incredible power in your no. If you want to know what your future will look like, look at the things that you're saying yes to and the things that you're saying no to. Your yes and your no will shape you in a million little ways with an eternal impact. You can chart your obedience through the choices you make on a daily basis. Character is not formed by extravagant acts and singular moments. It's formed by daily decisions, saying yes to the right things and no to the wrong things by the long, slow obedience. So second step, don't conform, be transformed. Everyone with me? Are you good? Come up to me later if you want to hear the Iron Man analogy. I'm really happy to share it. <laughs> Romans 12, I'll end this section with this. Romans 12, 2 says this, don't conform to the pattern of, you, of the world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Not bad, destructive, and imperfect will. Good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then third step. How do we build our lives in the foundation of holiness? Third step is this. Be holy because he is holy. But just as he called you as holy... Verse 16, be holy in all you do, for it is written, verse 16, be holy because I am holy. In other words, be holy not because somebody's told you to be holy. Not because like your connect leader said, oh, you know, don't do that. Like be holy 
because of your relationship with him. You know, God will shape in your life as he lives in your life more of his life. Be holy because of him. Holiness is not something you get to control in your own power. It's not something that can be imposed on you by some enthusiastic preacher. It's not something you can manage or manipulate. Holiness has a name and a face. Holiness is a person. His name is Jesus. And what we've been learning is the more time we spend with Jesus, the more we become like Jesus. Beholding is becoming. And so the secret to this, be holy because he's holy, is to be with him. Be in relationship with him. Jesus died on a cross to be in relationship with you. He loves you. When you put your trust in him, when you turn away from the stuff that's wrong in your life and you believe in him, your debt is wiped clean. Your overdraft, your credit card is cut in two. He takes it away. And in the place of the sin and shame, the cross means there's no condemnation. You can receive holiness as a gift. It's not complicated. You can't earn it. All you can do is keep running back to the cross to renew that covenant with him. And if you want to become more holy, if we want to become more like Jesus, we want our lives to carry the presence of God into the world, into our work, into our creativity, into our thinking, into our relationships, our friends. If we want to walk around close to Jesus in the hardest moments of our life, in the broken times, in the hard struggles of the moments when it's painful, when there's despair, when we feel we can't carry on, when we're tempted almost to breaking point. In those moments, we come running back not to a code of living or a set of rules, but to a person who's with us, holding us, empowering us, making it possible. And the key to this is relationship. And the thing about relationship is when you love someone, you tend to want to kind of get on with them. You know, I'm married. I've been married for 21 years. Uh, my wife is a saint, literally. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've got, I got a T-shirt on. It's one of my many gray T-shirts. Um, but imagine if I, like, um, and my wife approves this T-shirt. I got it on a sale. Um, I took it home. I kept the receipt. I was like, babe, what do you think? And she's like, it's good. Imagine I went to Primark on the narrow way. I recommend it. I go to Primark on the narrow way, and I'm like, okay, it's time to jazz things up a little bit. It's time to spice up my life with the pink fluorescent, like, T-shirt, like the kind of like the, the just like the I don't know, like the uh, like I could go for deep purple or tie dye. I don't know what 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 like what Nate would be wearing. Like what would you know, what, what, like something a bit more like edgy. And I come back from Primark with this little bag with um with a T-shirt, and I get it out in the kitchen at home. And I'm like, babe, check that T-shirt out. And I put it on, and she is like, says the words that you know you often get if you're married to someone with good taste. Did you keep the receipt? Like, did you keep the receipt? It's a, it's a great t-shirt, love, but did you keep the receipt? I'm like, why do you ask? Well, it's just, I'm not sure that's your color. I'm not sure that's your size. Did you keep, tell me, tell me you kept the receipt. Yeah, I kept the receipt. Okay, great. Well, maybe you might want to think about changing it. Why? Why? What's wrong with it? Well, look, I'm not a fan of the t-shirt. Oh, Okay. Because I don't want to walk in, I'd have to be a brave man to walk into my kitchen every day with a t-shirt that I know my wife actively dislikes. It would take kind of like a, a certain level of, um, it's not even courage, it's kind of stupidity. If you're in a relationship with somebody, like you want to live in a way that makes them happy, it's just part of life. 
So the point is this. We live in a relationship with a God who loves us. We want to fashion our lives in a way that's like, hey, what do you think about this decision? Like, what do you think about that choice I'm making? What do you think about that ambition? What am I clothing myself with today? What about this attitude? The Bible's really clear. Paul says this, clothe yourself with Christ. It never goes out of fashion. Put on Jesus. Put on humility. Put on love. Put on repentance, forgiveness, grace, kindness. Hey, we get it wrong. Don't put on the opposite of that. Clothe yourself with love. The key to living for God is to learn to live with God. If you want your life to make an impact for God, you've got to learn to live with God in your everyday life. And the good news is you don't have to be a mind reader to like know what God is into. This is not complicated. It's not a mystery. Sure, the application of it in our lives requires prayer and obedience and time and friends and all that stuff. But we read about it. Let's take Galatians. Galatians 5, 19 to 24. Paul writes this. The acts of the flesh are obvious. It's not like they're like, it's complicated. It's really obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, Paul says, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But instead, the fruit of the Spirit, Paul says, is what love and joy and peace forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. As Christians, we're not legalists. We're free. But God's grace means that God's fruit is good in our lives. So follow the way of Christ. Clothe yourself with Christ. Build that firm foundation in him. Renew your mind. Be transformed. Be holy because he's holy. And what we do when we do this is we find that deep down, God builds foundations in our lives like a highway of holiness between where we are and where we long to be. We're not the finished article. By the grace of God, one day we will be. And in the meantime, we walk away paved with new beginnings, paved with grace, paved with holiness, paved with, with the goodness of God. Irenaeus used to say this, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. That's what God has for you and I. He doesn't want to spoil our fun. He wants to be fully alive in the power of his grace and kindness. You can't earn it. All you can do is accept it. With God, nothing is impossible. So in a moment, we're going to pray. And I'd love to make space for God to do three things. For God, firstly, to, to, to allow us to bring to him anything we want to get off our chests, like old-fashioned confession. Just, just get right with God. In the Anglican Church, every one of our services, liturgically, like our 10 o'clock here this morning, starts with a confession. Because those people who wrote the prayer book hundreds of years ago, they knew that, well, we walked in the door of church, we got dirty, dirty hands, we need dust on our feet cleaning, we need to get right with God. Secondly, I'm, I'm encouraging us tonight to make space for the Holy Spirit to consecrate you. What does that mean? It means that his love would set you apart for holiness. And let me tell you, it's not a one-off occasion. A bit like water. You don't just like fill your water bottle up when you buy it and then hope it lasts a lifetime. 
What do you do? You keep filling it up. We need to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the third thing I think God might want to do tonight is to affirm in some of us here a calling to follow Jesus. Maybe you're not yet a Christian. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while. Maybe you're here and you know God is stirring something in your life. He's been doing something in these last few months where you just know he's on the move. Well, let me encourage you. God may well be calling you. And tonight what you're going to do as you respond is say, I'm going to step into that calling. Might be a calling to leadership. Might be a calling to service. They're the same thing. Might be a calling to help others. Might be a calling to, to be light and salt in your workplace. It might be a calling to go and love your family. Whatever you're called to, don't try and do it in your own strength. That's why we're a community. And let me end with this encouragement. This is impossible in our own strength. But it's easy with the power of Jesus working in you. With God, nothing is impossible because God knows his power has no limit. So all we need to do is ask, God, would you come and shape us, form us, that we might be more like Jesus to the glory of the Father. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. If you'd like to find out more, give or connect with us, visit our website, saint.church. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.